Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. This is Writing Class Radio. I'm Andrea Askowitz. I'm the teacher of the class. And today, I'm your host. And I'm Allison Langer. I'm a student in the class. Writing Class Radio is for people who love and get inspired by true personal stories. And it's also for people who want to learn a little bit about how to write their own stories. This fall, 2016, Writing Class Radio held our first writing contest, and we picked two winners. We threw out the prompt, a time I fucked up. My mom said, why did they use the word fuck up? Why didn't they just say messed up? (laughs) Well, because, I mean, you mess up all the time. But when you fuck up, I mean, that's that's a big one. And this is the one. That was Melissa Vincell, one of our winners, talking about our theme. If you didn't hear Melissa's major fuck up, you'll want to listen to episode 24. We got tons of submissions from you, revealing your major fuck ups and little mess ups. Like one woman's vacation slideshow accidentally included a naked selfie. Another woman almost killed a sheep. One did kill a chicken. And here's what Hope Torrance said to her mother-in-law on Thanksgiving. Hoy is el dia del polvo. Today is the day of the fuck. If I had said fuck in front of my mother-in-law, it would have killed her. If she wasn't already dead. What I know about good storytelling is that it really doesn't matter if the mistake was big or small. The story is not as much about what happened to a person as what the storyteller makes of that experience. Next, you'll hear the other winner of our contest, Susan Buttonweiser. Susan teaches writing in New York City public schools, in a women's prison, and in a juvenile facility. So cool. Here's Susan with her story called My First Bar Fight. The fight started when I noticed a junkie slowly nursing her drink and nodding off a few stools away from me and my friends. The bartender kept shouting at her, slamming his palm down inches from her head, which was face down on the wooden counter. By the time 3 a.m. rolled around, the bartender was done with her, told her to get the fuck out of his bar. This got my full attention. 3 a.m. is the precise moment when there no longer exist any good ideas inside a bar. I watched the junkie wrap her oversized coat around her tiny body while mumbling expletives. She weaved toward the door, kicking it hard on her way out. Once outside, she picked up a brick and hurled it at the plate glass window. She totally missed, and instead it crashed against the door with a loud thud. Nothing broke, there was no damage, and it seemed like the whole thing was over. But the bartender threw down his dish towel and leapt over the bar, all in one effortless motion, as if he'd been practicing. He charged after her. Some instinct propelled me to put down my pint of Sierra Nevada, slither off the bar stool, and without saying anything to my friends, follow him. It had been the summer of late-night missions to save junkies in distress. It was beyond my control, this longing to help someone. The month before, it was a junkie with her forehead embedded in her plate of eggs at a diner on Sheridan Square. I tried to take our pulse as a nearby booth filled with late-night drag queens laughed at my feeble attempt. 
In a few months, I would be pregnant with my first daughter. Not yet, though. The junkie was folded over in the middle of the street, and the bartender was kicking her over and over again with his Doc Martin 12 holes. So maybe he was a lot bigger than me, a lot, but I was in the throes of 3 a.m. logic. I jumped on him, onto his back, grabbing him, trying to pull him away from her. His arms were four times the size of mine, braids of muscles swelling out from his cut-off plaid shirt. Without any effort at all, he tossed me backwards, and I landed hard on the cobblestone street. My right forearm bore the brunt of my body weight. He went back to pummeling the junkie. I picked myself up off the street and went for the bartender again. This time, my hands managed to connect with his face, but he still wouldn't leave her alone. Then my friends were there, trying to pull him away from the junkie and make him stop. Lights flooded on, and people streamed outside to find out what was going on. The bartender had a bloody nose, and he yelled at me. The busboys and dishwashers surrounded him. The junkie was talking to the police, who had just arrived, which spurred my friends to suggest that maybe this would be an excellent moment to depart for another bar. Once there, I draped a plastic bag of ice around my arm as the pogues blared from the speakers. I sipped Guinness, trembling for more, craving the next rescue, craving someone who needed me. I wanted to see how tiny Susan really was, so I called her on Skype. Hi! Hi. Um, thank you. Thank you, Susan, for taking my call. Um, like, like, like you had a choice. Of course. Um, <laughs> and also, thank you for showing me your muscles. Very impressive. <laughs> she told me this situation happened almost 20 years ago, and she's had two children in the meantime. That's why I sort of, when I was thinking about it and right, working on this story, I started to think about the connection about becoming a mother because it felt more like a, like a mom, like a mama bear thing. I asked her, how has having children changed her? When my first daughter was born and I had to take care of her, <laughs> I had to. Um, and, you know, it's like an all day long, every single day thing. Like no one had ever needed me like that ever before. One of the things I like about Susan's story is that she makes the connection between her actions and something bigger, motherhood. Susan's story has another element of good storytelling, change. Generally, what we look for in a story is, one, a situation that changes the narrator's behavior or actions, or two, a situation that reveals something important about the narrator's character. Because Susan mentioned she got pregnant, I took the story to mean that Susan's still a person who craves rescuing people, but now she doesn't rescue people in dangerous ways. Now she has her kids to rescue. That's the change. More to come after a word from our sponsor. We're back. Next is Diego, one of our audio producers. He wrote this story in response to the prompt, A Time I Fucked Up. I sometimes imagine myself strapped to an interrogation chair in a dark room with a single light bulb. My face is bruised from previous beatings. A figure emerges to continue the torture. 
the figure is there to remind me not only of my most recent failure, but also of the past ones. How they connect, how they prevent me from moving forward, how they leave me feeling like I'm being left behind. The torturer is me. My friends were there to see my last fuck up. One of them, a professional in my field, works at the local NPR affiliate. 300 plus people saw me get on stage with Anne Randolph and make a fool of myself trying to fix whatever the hell had gone wrong with her wireless mic. In the darkness of the sound technician's area, my headphones filled with sweat, my teeth grinded against each other. The main incident Diego's referring to happened at Writing Class Radio's live show. Anne Randolph was telling a story and her mic went off. I don't think Diego made a fool out of himself. He's so cute. But he did fuck up the audio. He says that that specific failure reminded him of past failures. What I would like to know more about in a rewrite is what Diego discovers about his character that leads to these fuck-ups. We had so much fun reading listener stories that we're putting out a new prompt for a new contest. Here's the prompt. Write about something you don't understand. For example, I don't understand why I keep getting fired. Or, I don't understand why my father-in-law won't drink water. Or, I don't understand why drivers in Miami don't signal. Even better is why does any of that bother me? A good story asks the question, why? Take the prompt wherever it takes you. You've got 1,200 words or fewer. When you're satisfied with your final draft, send it to us in a Word document to info at writingclassradio.com. Deadline for entries is April 30th, 2017. Contest details at writingclassradio.com. If you don't feel like entering our contest but want a prompt to get you going, pick one of the daily prompts from our website or follow us on Twitter at WRTGCLASSRADIO where we post daily prompts daily. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Diego Saldana Rojas, Allison Langer, and me, Andrea Askowitz. Theme music by Daniel Correa. Additional music by Andy G. Cohen, Julie Maxwell, and Rest You Sleeping Giant. That's a band. Writing Class Radio is sponsored and recorded at the University of Miami School of Communication. This episode was sponsored by Puzzle Israel. We are unusual, weird, different. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com. Study the stories we study and listen to our craft talks. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C., as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, 
and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.